This was a big week for NFL news. We talk about the breaking reports about the new CBA, and we begin our breakdown of the top 50 free agents in this free agency class. Welcome to the Goal Line Fade Podcast. On Tuesday of this week, we heard something that um, most of us believe, but not necessarily could be 100% sure. Drew Brees is back for 2020. Um, he posted it on Instagram, joining the trend of players making announcements official through social media, that he will be back for the New Orleans Saints this year. Um, is it surprising? Not really, but the ramifications of this move for this free agency period will be huge, considering both Taysom Hill and Teddy Bridgewater are free agents. Daniel, <laughs> so Taysom Hill made some comments about Teddy Bridgewater and about Drew Brees and what things mean. And after Taysom Hill was talking about, like, if the Saints don't believe I'm a franchise passer, I'm going to leave. Now he's saying that it's not a bad decision for, or it's not bad for him to stay behind Drew Brees for a couple years. Do you think that this has any effect on those quarterbacks and whether or not they leave now? Yeah, you're just seeing Taysom Hill backpedal so hard now because Drew Brees actually decided to come back. Um, it actually, it's, it's interesting to me. I thought we would have to wait longer for this Drew Brees news so you can see that like he's fired up and he wants to get going again. I imagine at this point that this means we don't see either of those other quarterbacks in Saints uniforms next year. And to begin to guess where they go, I mean, that remains to be seen. Even like interest-wise, there's a lot of teams that could want Teddy and I'm sure a lot of teams would love that Swiss Army knife of Taysom Hill. Yeah, the price tag, they're saying that there's enough teams interested in Teddy Bridgewater that he could command $30 million a year. That wouldn't shock me. That, that just shows the desperation of the NFL right now, though, right? If you don't have a good QB and you have a guy who's shown that maybe he can be somebody, you'll just take a flyer on him. I mean, you can usually end up playing with your cap enough that even a, a big deal, if you cut the guy, you can recover pretty quickly. So, Fair enough, but I mean, there's so many quarterbacks available this offseason that any other offseason in the last couple of years, Teddy Bridgewater would probably be the top quarterback name on the the free agent list. But now the fact that we have this many this year and okay, remove Tom Brady, remove um, Phillip Rivers, for example, but still like you look, Dak Prescott is a free agent as of right now. And if he doesn't sign a franchise tag or if he doesn't sign back with the Cowboys, like that's a legitimate starter right now as well. Um, there's a lot of guys available through the trade block. So it's, this is a really big move, I think, for the ramifications of where those other two quarterbacks go. I think Taysom Hill ends up back with them. Um, and I might change this opinion in a couple of weeks, but it's, uh, I think that this move means for sure that Teddy Bridgewater's gone. I guess if you're Taysom Hill, you can say, oh yeah, do you know what? I'll just resign with the Saints, let Sean Payton raise my value for one more year. Drew Brees retires after this season, and then I'm the only option because Teddy's going to be long gone. So It wouldn't be a bad move for him to resign. No, it really depends what he gets offered, right? Maybe he'll test free agency. Either way, I'm glad to see Drew Brees back. He's a player that I've loved for a long time. He's not the guy he was five years ago, but he's still very capable of helping this team win a lot of games. Yeah, one of the greatest ever, and obviously he wants to make one last push. The last two years, they feel that they've been, um, you know, not... I don't well, know how two to years work. ago cheated is a good word. Yeah, two years ago cheated was a good word. Last year, um, they just didn't show up when they needed to. And I mean, there was that pass interference that ended the game or the questionable Kyle Rudolph push off that ended the game. But anyways, this is um, let's eliminate all the the chatter about the Saints and what's happened to them the last couple of playoffs. Um, it's their time to shine now. And I think that this is the I really want to see a Drew Brees, Tom Brady Super Bowl, to be quite honest, just to, like both of their careers to be ended them playing against each other in the Super Bowl. 
But, um, yeah, hopefully Drew Brees has a great year and he can stay healthy because, I mean, he did have that injury last year. So, yeah, absolutely love Drew Brees. Super excited to see him back. Um, a name that we're not sure if we're going to see them back with their team, Darius Slay. Uh, he's the <laughs> he's arguably one of the, the top five cornerbacks in the league, I'd say. Like, maybe not the top one. Um, I think if you look back all the way to 2014, he has the most passes defensed statistically. So, I mean, he's up there as one of the better cornerbacks in this game, no matter how you look at it. The Lions had the 32nd ranked pass defense last year. And with one year left on Slay's deal, there's rumors that they might be looking to uh, to assess the trade value that they could get for Slay. I don't understand this move whatsoever. I don't understand what Matt Patricia would be gaining by sending him off. Um, we know that their offense is explosive. I think Detroit could be a playoff team if they invested in their defense and strengthened their defense. So yes, they have the third overall pick and they could go after that cornerback, uh, Jeffrey Akuda. I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but Akuda from the, from Ohio state. So, I mean, like there are players that they could be getting in the draft, but why would you not want to pair them with Slay as opposed to, um, yeah, sending Slay off is, do you think, would they get enough for Slay to make it worth it? Well, that's the question here, right, is, um, I mean, A, Matt Patricia obviously knows things we don't, and if him and Slay have a bad relationship and he doesn't think this is a Super Bowl year for them, which I don't think anybody thinks is a Super Bowl year for them, to get some value for a guy who's just going to leave next offseason anyways, like, and to do it now so it's before the trade deadline and you're not essentially just trying to fire sale it, right? Um, this is a good time to do it, especially, right, if you, if you know your relationship is rocky. He's 29. He's not young. Um, and his salary is low enough that teams will bite. He signed a four-year, $48 million deal. That's very much something a team is willing to take on for a player of his caliber, especially a team that might just be one defensive piece away. Think Seattle. Seattle with a good corner, that that's a huge step forward for them. For sure. Um, Seattle needs pass rush help too, but you strengthen your defensive backcourt. It makes it a lot easier to get after the quarterback if they have no time um, or if they have, yeah, if, <laughs> if they're struggling to find weapons down the field. So um, definitely the Seahawks would be an option. And that's where they sent Quandre Diggs last year. They sent uh, the Lions sent him off to Seattle last year. So I don't know. I'm, I'm of the opinion that there's so many good players that are, are relatively young that are sort of on the trade block when I don't really understand the reason that they would be. Stefan Diggs is another name that I don't know why he's on the trade block right now. It really doesn't make sense in any way for the Vikings to trade him, but I'm, I'm really interested in why teams are looking to, um, to trade some of these guys. And, and for Slay, it makes a bit more sense considering he'll be a free agent next year. So you bring up a good point, right? Them wanting to um, get something from him as opposed to like losing him next off season with nothing to show for it. It does make sense. But in reality, I don't know. There's something weird to me about giving up a top five corner. So yeah, it's uh, it's definitely something to watch. And I, it wouldn't surprise me if he got traded. And it ultimately would surprise me if he played the full season for the Lions. I mean, you're talking about Diggs too. He's another one that definitely showed some, uh, I guess, like <laughs> malcontentness during the last season. Well, apparently he erased all of his Viking-related posts from his Instagram, which apparently now I mean, is considered a source. Yeah, players of, act like little babies all the time in the league now. But Stefan. But I mean, is, like, the fact that people are actually using Instagram as like a worthy source of, oh, okay, he posted that he was in Chicago last week, so that must mean that he wants to be traded to the Bears. Oh, like, my word. If the Vikes traded him to the Bears. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm using yeah, that hypothetical, that like just, just a random thing. But yeah, yeah. No, I like Stefan Diggs. Again, young player, 26 years old. He, I think, has signed all the way through 2024, something like yeah, that. Yeah, he signed a, a deal just recently. So, 
I mean, he'd be a great pickup for a team. And, and right, every player has a price. I don't care who you are. Like, maybe Mahomes doesn't. Maybe, like, but pretty much every player, if a team offers enough, is up for grabs. So when I hear stuff like this, it doesn't shock me. I mean, there's a lot of teams that would love to get their hands on, a, like, a wide receiver, the caliber of Stephon Diggs at 26 years old. And just to clarify, like, the Vikings would actually incur a pretty large cap hit if they were to trade Diggs um, because he did sign that deal just a couple years ago. So when I said recently, I meant within the last, like, two 2018, years. I think. Yeah, exactly. So... Um, I believe that they would take a cap hit if they were to trade him. So there was, I was reading some articles today and just different reasons why it makes no sense for him to be a trade candidate for the Vikings. And and that was one Unless of the Unless he's becoming a cancer, right? That's always where it lands. If, he's well, just, if he just doesn't want to be there, yeah, pick up the value you can. His trade value will be through the roof. I, w- I would imagine so, yeah. So again, like there's both Slay and Diggs. Um, I mean, there's a bunch of other names that we had talked about being on the trade block as well. Um, I'm curious if Trent Williams is on the trade block. Um, there's a lot of different players that uh, that have the opportunity to be on the trade block going into this offseason, and I think that ultimately will be traded. There were actually quite a few releases in the last couple days, Daniel. Nigel Bradham for the Eagles was one. Um, the Ravens released Tony Jefferson. The Redskins cut both Josh Norman and Paul Richardson. Um, yeah, this is just you're costing too much against the cap, and not showing enough, not showing enough, um, yeah, to make it worth the money that they're paying you, or at least that's what I'm taking out of it. Yeah, it's funny. Nigel Bradham was one that Adam and I, we both were like, oh, that's a big name. Then we went and looked at his stats, and we were like, oh, no, this makes a lot of sense. Just a guy who's been in the league for a long time but really hasn't produced. Tony Jefferson has had his good um, moments. He's been a good safety at times, but um, the Ravens just, I mean, don't need him right now. They're they they have fine depth at the position. Josh Norman was at one point considered maybe the best corner in football and has not been for a while. And Paul Richardson was a massive free agency bust. So all these cuts make a lot of sense. Yeah, and I would agree with you. Um, what I didn't realize about Tony Jefferson, diving into his stats, um, his numbers looked pretty good the the year that he was or his contract year with Arizona before he went to the Ravens. And I didn't realize, but from his stats, you can tell that he was a a safety that played right up on the line of scrimmage. So we see guys like Josh, or uh, not Josh Adams, Jamal Adams for the Jets that are very aggressive, very up on the line of scrimmage and have that capability to, um, you know, to do a lot, to be present wherever they like need to be Like your classic strong safety, your run support strong safety. Exactly. Yeah. So um, it would not surprise me to see Jefferson get picked up relatively quickly uh, because of his speed as well. Um, he's going to be an asset to some defense that... Patriots cut Pat Chung, pick up Tony Jefferson. That sounds good to me. <laughs> so, I mean... Like, I could see Jefferson still commanding a decent amount of money. And I believe that's the reason that uh, the Ravens cut him was, again, like, I think he cost a pretty high number against the cap. So that was uh, definitely a consider. Well, finances are always a consideration when you're cutting a veteran that you know can produce. Um, Josh Norman, I didn't realize, like, his stats were pretty good. I mean, he had that one year in Carolina where they went to the Super Bowl, and his stats were um, obviously off the charts. He was probably the best corner that, that year, but... Yeah, it just hasn't been performing to that same level. And with new coaching staff, um, it makes sense that now's the time when he's going to be cut. Paul Richardson, yeah, like free agency bust. Um, and I don't really know why. I, like trying to think back to when he was a free agent coming from the Seahawks. I know that he had some uh, big plays that he had made and, you know, like he had some decent numbers, but he put up just over 500 yards in his two seasons with the Redskins. So will he get some attention this free agency? Sure, but there's a lot of big names that you're going to go after before you go after a guy like Paul Richardson. 
He'll be a, a nice depth pickup. Someone right will grab him on a one-year, $3 million deal. Just to prove it. Yeah, kinda. try to get something out of him. And he's fast. That's his big thing, right? Dude dude can burn you downfield, which every team is always looking for a little more speed. So Well, and if, yeah, the mold right now is, I mean, like look at the, what the Chiefs have done with speed, yeah. right? So All four of these guys will find teams. Yeah, I, I don't think that's an issue, right? But a couple seasons ago, like a lot of these guys signed in free agency at big numbers because they were the main players in free agency. And now it's, um, they're going to be waiting for the first and maybe second cut of players to go before they find their teams as well. So free agency. And I mean, like the NFL changes so fast too, right? Like you look at some of the deals that people signed and who's the highest paid player at every position. Like Jimmy Graham is making 10 million a year and he's the highest paid tight end. How in the world is that the case? How is it not Travis Kelsey? How is it not um, like Zach Ertz or someone like that, right? To me, it's just ridiculous when you look at who's actually making the most money in the league and breaking down um, when the person signed and <laughs> the fact that they were locked into a long enough deal where they're still um, just yeah taking advantage of a four or five year deal where they just have not lived up to expectations from their when they were a free agent. But um, some other news coming out of Washington was that the Redskins are going to exercise Adrian Peterson's 2020 option. So honestly, I was a little bit surprised by this. I would imagine that in the next couple seasons, we'll see Adrian Peterson retire or teams might not be willing to take him on anymore, but he had almost a thousand yards last year. He had 898 yards last year and which was sort of a surprise to me when I was looking into it. Like he can still produce in some capacity. I think Darius Geis, uh, is he hurt? I can't remember, but anyways, like he'll be able to, or, Adrian Peterson will be able to help the Redskins uh, backfield next year for sure. There's one name in the Redskins backfield that a lot of people are forgetting about. Chris Thompson? Bryce Love. Oh. Bryce Love got drafted by them last year, and he missed the season with that injury from the end of his last college season. But kid was good at Stanford. He followed up Christian McCaffrey. Um, and I think, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. He might not, he might not be the starter there next year, but um, he'll be a guy who's looking to, to really bite into both Geis' and Adrian Peterson's snaps for sure. So I have a question. Um, this is less related to the current stance of Adrian Peterson news or, you know, what role he's going to have for the Redskins next year. But he's currently 1,053 yards behind Barry Sanders for fourth place in career rushing yards. Do you think that before he retires, he'll move into fourth place and remove Barry Sanders? Or, or we'll I pass Barry at this Sanders. point. I think you don't. 35 years old with, yeah, 800 and what 90 yards last season as a kind of a starter depending on the week um i i don't think he plays two more seasons and i don't think he hits over a thousand yards this season so i think that might be it yeah and i'd more so lean to the he won't get there either but i mean frank gore is 37 i believe or he's going to be 37 when the the league year starts i can't remember when when games start again i think he'll be either 37 or 38 adrian peterson is 35 so if Adrian Peterson can push himself a couple of years and take a similar role to what Frank Gore's had with the Bills, um, it, it could be possible, especially because he's only 1,053 yards away. So that's definitely something to watch out for. I know that um, I actually was like very grateful to be able to see two games in the season where Adrian Peterson almost broke the, the season rushing record. So I don't know. Part of me, well, I mean, all of me really wants him to... <laughs> to finish his career strong and to move into fourth place just because of I like, I love watching him play. So it would be pretty great to me if, uh, if he was able to actually move into that threshold and remove Barry Sanders from fourth place. 
So quickly before we hit some of the other, I'm just shorter, easier to talk about stories from this week. Um, we're kind of in the thick of CBA news coming out right now. Over the last hour or so, recording on Wednesday night, Schefter has been tweeting like mad. Um, so we've seen kind of the big three things right now. Uh, we're hearing 17-game season is very much on the on the table. Boo! Um, yeah, I think both Adam and I have said before that we're against this. We like how things are. Um, we don't want to see players' bodies take more abuse. We don't want to see playoffs come with more players injured. Another thing is a 14-game or a 14-team playoff is what's being looked at. So seven teams per side, only the first seed gets a bye. Um, this one I'm a little more positive towards. I know Adam doesn't love it. And then finally, which is not a shock, an increased revenue share for the players. Um, just an additional 1%, but I think Schefter tweeted out that that meant another $5 billion going towards the players if this new CBA gets signed. So we'll see. Uh, the reports are saying in the next week there's going to be meetings to vote on it, and we'll see if this is what we end up getting. So the reason that I'm opposed to the 14-team uh, playoff structure, so that's seven from the AFC, seven from the NFC, uh, just to clarify, what they said it would mean is that instead of having the first two seeds receive a buy in the first round, only the first seed would receive a, a buy in the first round. And to me, um, we saw this past season that, like even though the teams for the playoffs were more so um, decided going into week 17, <laughs> there was still a lot to be sorted out. Like you, no one had second place guaranteed. So to me, like it really is a struggle to have a second or to make it to the second seed, to get the second seed going into the playoffs. So I don't know. Right now there's a lot of value to be the first seed and if not the first seed to be the second seed. And it sort of feels to me like, yes, there's still value in the second seed because you have home field advantage potentially throughout the playoffs if the first seed loses. But there's just, I, I like both of those teams having buys. I like that they have the advantage of getting healthy. Um, I just, yeah, like the, I've seen a couple of tweets that said it perfectly. Like the NFL has the best playoff structure. Like I, I just, I love the way it works. I, it makes so much sense. I really have no opposition to it all the years I've been watching football and for them to just make this change when status quo was perfectly fine, that's sort of what frustrates me. And yeah, obviously very opposed to the 17-game schedule. Daniel and I, <laughs> we can rant about this as long as you want. Yeah, I just, I don't understand um, why the players would agree to this. My best guess is if the league says we get 17 games, you get weed, and then most players would be all on board, unfortunately. So, I mean, whatever. We'll, we'll see if this ends up being what happens, but... Um, by the sounds of it, Schefter thinks this is the way things are going. So um, in the next week or so, I guess we'll see. And we all want to avoid a lockout. So ultimately, I think that's what we should all be hoping for is the lockout gets avoided. Nobody wants to miss football, especially with Patrick Mahomes in his prime. I would not want to miss any amount of, of play getting to watch him. So for now, we'll just have to see how things play out. For sure. And so let's just cover a, a couple of things, Daniel, that we had talked about before this episode. Concerns about the 17-game schedule. So first things first, that means that you have nine home games or nine away games. So it's not eight and eight. It's you're going to be playing one more game away than home. So how do you balance that out over the course of time? Right now, if you don't know that the, the way that the NFL schedules are actually determined. So based on the way that you finish within your own division, you play in your same conference. You play everyone that finished in that same position in their divisions. So right now, um, the Patriots finished first in the AFC East. So right now, they would play the first team from the AFC South, the AFC West, and the AFC North next year. So they're playing the Chiefs, they're playing the, the Texans, and they're playing the Ravens. 
Then they would play everyone in their own division twice, which makes sense. So that's where 13 of their games come, or nine of their games come from. Then they play four teams from the NFC, um, all in one division. And then they'd also play one full division in their own conference. So one full division in the AFC. So that's currently what the the NFL schedule is made up of for all teams. What happens if you're adding a 17th game? I don't understand the fit of that. And Daniel, you and I talked about this a bit before recording, but I like, I mean, you could get creative with it, but I imagine like logistically, that's just an absolute nightmare for the people that are designing the schedules. Yeah. Our best guess that Adam and I kind of maybe thought of was if you were to say that you have to play the equivalently placed team of the other conference. So if you finish fourth in the AFC, you have to play the fourth place team in the NFC the following season, in addition to everything else. Um, which could mean you play an out-of-conference team twice in one season, which would be new and weird for the NFL. But, um, yeah, there's I'm sure there's a lot of different ways they're, they're thinking about going about it. Ultimately, this just means more money for the league, which is why they want to do it. Yeah, definitely. Like, from a business perspective, the more games that you have, the more revenue you're taking in, um, both in the playoffs and in the regular season. I mean, like, more money to everyone in the league, right? With the revenue model, I can't remember what the split is, but I believe it's 60% to the home team, 40% back to the NFL to be distributed to all the other franchises. So there's lots to be gained for the owners that are making um, even more millions of dollars, multiple Sundays now that are being added to, um, yeah, that are being added to the NFL schedule. If they're cutting a preseason game, that really doesn't factor into the the, uh, money that you're making too much, but adding a week, 17 or you know a 17 game schedule and then also uh two more teams making the playoffs that's obviously going to have some revenue implications which owners might like so yeah lots to look forward to i know that i'm going to be addicted to twitter a little bit more than usual (laughs) over the course of the next week daniel i imagine you're going to be in the same boat but this is going to be a fun one to watch and i mean i already have tweet notifications for adam schefter (laughs) every time he tweets something it's an instant notification to my phone as if it's uh you know, as if it's a Tom Brady Instagram post, but (laughs) yeah, it's something that we'll be watching closely for sure. But without further ado, there were other things that we wanted to mention as part of the news this week that maybe weren't huge items, but were things that definitely need to be covered going into this off season. So Greg Olson, uh, he was just recently or parted ways with the Panthers, I guess would be the best way of wording it. So he met with the Redskins, the Bills and the Seahawks, and he ended up signing a one year, $7 million deal with the Seattle Seahawks. Not that much of a surprise. I think that the Seahawks, you know, wanted to get more depth at the tight end position, but paying him $7 million really does speak to the confidence that they have in him being able to contribute to their offense. Yeah. And he's been one of the consistently good tight ends over the last, I don't know, decade, almost Greg Olson has been good. Um, I didn't expect him to sign this quickly, but it kind of sucks for other tight end teams. I know I really wanted the Patriots to take a look at him, but that was never really happening. Another tight end whose name might be on the board, though, and this is a fascinating one. Jordan Reed has cleared concussion protocol, and people are saying he's likely to be cut by the Redskins, which makes sense. He's getting paid an insane amount of money. But Jordan Reed, when he's healthy, or at least in the past when he was healthy, was the best pure receiving tight end in the NFL. He was up there. I wouldn't say best. The best I'd, I'd argue on of, of speed and hands, I think. He couldn't block, but... He was very, very good. Um, so he'll be hitting free agency as kind of a weird, like maybe you'll get something out of him. Maybe he'll literally die week one of the season and never well, play a game for you. But And there's speculation that I, I don't believe that this is an intent of his, but due to health reasons. And 
like just the amount that he's been beaten up over the course of the past, what, two or three years. Like, I, I don't think it would surprise that many people if he was to retire as well. So that's another consideration is um, if he goes to a, tr- a team for training camp, um, <laughs> tries to make the roster and ultimately doesn't, it wouldn't surprise me to see him retire. Even if during training camp at some point, he just decides that it's best for his overall health to retire. That would not surprise me. But if you're a team that's looking to get a little bit more competition in the at the tight end position in training camp, this this could be a good name to bring into. Uh, like you said, I mean, when he's healthy, he's he was up there. Uh, I remember picking him up in fantasy the year that he just went off, and it was amazing. Like the, he scored a lot of touchdowns for me, and I remember being very happy with his production. But yeah, it's it's tough to see any player suffer as much as he's suffered. So, I mean, hopefully that if he does come back and plays this year, he is healthy and is able to contribute to whichever situation he goes to. Another name that, uh, or another big piece of news this week was DJ Humphreys, an offensive lineman for the Arizona Cardinals, signs an extension um, of three years for $45 million. Uh, I believe $29 million of that was guaranteed. So uh, this was a name I wasn't exactly expecting to sign an extension this offseason, but the Cardinals think that they found a, a gem on the offensive line and they're locking them up longer term. Yeah. Offensive tackles are valuable. And if you think you got one, you got to sign them, especially with a young QB. So we'll see how this end up ends up um, playing out for them. But Humphreys has been fine. 15 a year. I mean, compared to was it? Yeah. Nate Solder is the highest paid tackle in football right now. And oh no, sorry, Taylor Lewan, right? He signed a deal, but th- this is up there with some of those top paid guys in the league. Lawan's getting 16 a year. Nate Tilda's getting 15 and a half. So um, they better be right because otherwise they've just committed a lot of money to a player who realistically we haven't seen a ton from. And I mean, again, 29 million guaranteed. So it's not like all 45 is guaranteed, but anytime that you see a player sign with guaranteed money and if, yeah, if there's any uncertainty or any point where you want to cut them, it becomes a lot more difficult carrying uh, dead money against the cap right if you were to cut them so um this is a move of confidence that's for sure another move of confidence i guess you could say the dolphins are apparently interested in justin herbert at quarterback in the draft and they're saying they're not convinced that Tua is a, a slam smoke dunk. screen this is such a smoke screen like i don't even care they're trying to tempt teams to trade up with them that's all they're going for right now so what we've heard a lot in the last week, and I talked about it in the, the episode that we actually put up last week, Tua's right now being considered the number one quarterback in the draft. There's a lot of people that actually have him above of Joe Burrow now, right? There's lots of speculation about Joe Burrow not saying that he would want to play in Cincinnati, and a lot of people are taking that to mean that he may refuse to go to Cincinnati. So does Tua go to Cincinnati first overall? Um, I think that that could shake up a lot of things. Um so even if the Dolphins are interested in Justin Herbert, if for whatever reason Joe Burrow is available at five, I see no situation in which the Dolphins let him pass. And between those two quarterbacks, I would imagine that Burrow gets taken over Herbert. I'd be shocked if someone doesn't jump up above five to take a QB. But honestly, that's yeah, that's it. I'd, I'd be shocked if that doesn't happen, if, if Burrow drops or if Tua drops. like There's no way we only get one of these two QBs taken in the top five. Yeah, I mean the I mean Detroit could be one that actually takes a quarterback. Yeah, for sure. Or um, if you're a team that's looking to move up to take a quarterback, there's always that possibility as well. Like I mean the, the Chargers are at six. If if there's speculation that they 
may need to move up in order to jump in front of someone else who's considering trading up. I wouldn't be surprised to see them move up in order to take one of these quarterbacks as well, uh, depending how free agency goes, of course. But yeah, these, I mean, I didn't really think Herbert was, had his name in the conversation to be in the top 10 a couple weeks ago. And now conversations are heating up and it feels to me like he'll be a top six, top seven pick this year in the draft. And of course the combine still has to come. People's pro days still have to come. But those three names in the order is really shaking up right now. And I've seen people putting Jacob Eason above Herbert, so you have no idea what could unfold over the next couple of months. In where, does, to... where does Jordan Love typically sit? Um, he's usually in that four or five range from what I've seen. Because but... I've seen him, I think I've seen him at four, actually, but I didn't. I've seen him at four, but I think Eason was at five in those picks. Oh, yeah. It feels like a lot of people really below these top two don't know. Well, Herbert is generally consensus three, but... Yeah. Um, even then, you have some people questioning if Herbert belongs in the top 10, top 15, top 20, and there's going to be a team that's going to take him in there no matter what. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of speculation from the quarterback position, um, obviously this offseason, but especially in the draft too. Um, it's really interesting and one that just with the nature of how loose the quarterback position is this offseason, really you have no idea who your quarterback is going to be next year or the majority of the teams in the league don't know. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. And I know that uh, I'll be glued to the first round of the draft um, live tweeting because I'm going to definitely be shocked with how all these things play out. But since we're going into the offseason, one thing that we want to do leading up to free agency is each of the next four episodes, we're going to cover 10 free agents and, um, you know, talk about their stats from last year and try to... (laughs) try to predict who they're going to play for next year and the approximate deal that they might sign with a new team. So we're not always going to give you the 10 juicy ones that you want, but hopefully you tune in next week and the week following and the week after that to uh, to hear the names that you may be wanting to know where we think they're going to land. Um, we're trying to dive deep into you know some of the, the coaches that they've played with before. We're trying to understand you know systems that they're friendly with and, and where it may make the most sense for them to go. So I... I'm I'm really curious to see how accurate we are. Maybe not in the financial portion, but at least in understanding which teams are, are going to be in the race to land some of these guys. So the first name on our list is Dak Prescott. Um, so quarterback of the Cowboys last year was playing on his rookie deal. He had f- uh, 4,902 yards passing, 30 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. You know, the Cowboys offense struggled down the stretch. They're more of a running team, and I think that he just wasn't carrying the load necessarily as a quarterback and I mean just couldn't get them to the playoffs which isn't all his fault but I mean we saw that the Cowboys struggled last year is there any picture where he moves on from the Cowboys or where the Cowboys go somewhere else beyond Dak Prescott that essentially seems impossible to me at this point Jerry Jones um, more than any I don't want to call him a GM but technically he is out of any GM in the league has a tendency to um really be loyal to players. I don't even know if that's the word. It's like he can't let go. And to be fair to Dak Prescott, he's pretty much just gotten better every year that he's been in the league. Um, more and more, he's actually looking like a legitimate franchise quarterback. I mean, 4,900 yards, 30 touchdowns. I don't think there's a team in the league that wouldn't take that at QB. That's solid, solid numbers. For sure. Um, th- those stats are great, absolutely. But I think that Coming into this year, we were talking about or we were hearing about the fact that he would be the first quarterback to make $40 million a year. I, I think it's pretty safe to say that that's not the type of deal that he will be getting. 
Um, the Cowboys, I think everyone, like, he's going to get tagged. I imagine that's where it has to go, right? And that's that's what I called in the prediction here. I think that he signs a, a one-year franchise tag, which um, we'll see what the franchise tag ends up being. But right now, approximately, say, $32 million a year. Um, so I think that he'll sign that one-year just franchise tag, and hopefully next year, or this offseason maybe even, um, he'll be Plus able to sign. Plus, with the new CBA, if you can put it off until the new CBA, that generally means you get a bigger contract because cap usually jumps at CBA time, if I remember correctly. Exactly. So um, I don't see a reality in which he leaves the Cowboys. I think he stays with the Cowboys. So Cowboys, one year at the franchise tag amount. We'll, we'll call that 32, but um, depending on where that goes. So Is Dak the number one overall free agent in this class? No. Who would you put above him? At the quarterback position or in general? In general. Is there any player, like, think age, think stats, think fit? Like, is there any player better than him in this class of free agents? So um, if you listen to Brian Baldinger, he said that the number one free agent coming into this offseason, did you see who he said? I didn't see it, no. Shaq Barrett. He says that the development that Shaq Barrett has, um, or has had over the past couple seasons, he said he would not be surprised um, to see him get a, a huge deal. So he was saying that he's the number one free agent to watch going into the offseason. Um, a lot of people are saying Amari Cooper as well. Just the combination that he has of his athleticism, his speed, um, his playmaking ability, and the fact that he's 25 right now. Um, they said there's not too many times where you've seen a receiver who's this strong go to free agency like this. So um, he's a, definitely another name that's up there. Uh, I wouldn't really be willing to put too many other players in that conversation. I... Um, like, I mean, Derrick Henry's another big name in free agency this year. We saw how dominant he was down the stretch. So if you're a team that really wants to rely on like a, a strong, aggressive running game, he would be a very, very attractive name that's out there in free agency too. But yeah, I wouldn't put Dak in that conversation, especially with the plethora of quarterbacks that are free agents this offseason. Like, I think that's a position where, again, like if you take away all the quarterbacks that, you know, you wouldn't think would be free agents this offseason. Dak would probably be up there as number one or one of the top guys, right? Along with Titty Bridgewater and a couple other names. But it's just, it's such a weird offseason. <laughs> I like, I don't even see how there's an argument. Like I, Dak Prescott is a franchise quarterback and it's incredibly rare that you see a 26-year-old franchise quarterback potentially hit the market. Like I don't even think anyone is comparable as the number one free agent in this class. Yeah, I would argue that a little bit more. <laughs> I think that uh, the field is a lot stronger. I don't think that you can argue that Dak Prescott is um, yeah, the number one free agent. Again, just because of how many other alternative options are out there. Um, but like none of them, like you don't, no one wants old man Tom Brady. No one wants old man Phillip Rivers. Marcus Mariota's trash. Jameis Winston, probably uh, trash. All the contract reports say that there's a lot of people that want but like, quote unquote can, old man Tom Brady. If, if you can offer... 26 year old Dak Prescott a six-year deal at 30 mil and lock down a franchise guy for the next half of a decade or you can lock down old man Tom Brady who might fall off a cliff or old man Philip Rivers who has fallen off a cliff for 30 mil like I don't even think there's a question who you're taking I understand the perspective that you're coming from but still that's we're just talking quarterbacks now right like so I'm saying there's too many other quarterback options to say that he's the number one, like I don't even think he's the number one quarterback available. Again, with those in the draft as well. I, I know that you're talking about free agents, but I just think the value of the quarterback position, there's so many quarterbacks available that his value is cheaper this offseason than it would be otherwise. 
Um, and I also just think, again, the field. There's so many players that are out there that are such strong ads that, again, I just I don't think that he's number one. There's one player that I'm actually really excited to see where they land up in free agency this year, and that's Austin Hooper at the tight end position. Um, tight ends are are really weird. Like the number one paid tight end right now, again, is Jimmy Graham making $10 million a year. I don't anticipate that that will remain. I think that the Packers will cut him or find some way to get rid of that um, that contract. But Austin Hooper at the age of 25, um, he had a pretty good season for the Falcons. He in uh, 13 games, he had 75 receptions, 787 yards, and six touchdowns. So I have him signing a three-year deal worth about $25.5 million. Um, and I have him going to the Green Bay Packers. Now, <laughs> I bring up Jimmy Graham at a very good time. I think that they get rid of Jimmy Graham's deal. I think Austin Hooper lands here for multiple reasons. The Packers want weapons. Um, that's not just at the receiver position. They want to go out and they want to get someone who's reliable from the tight end position. Additionally, um, Austin Hooper worked with Matt LaFleur, who's now the Packers head coach, when he was in Atlanta. So I think there are some ties here. And Matt LaFleur being an offensive-minded coach, it would not surprise me for him to end up with the Packers. There's lots of speculation about the Patriots wanting to go after, you know, just the, the tight ends on the market. So maybe with the Patriots, but... My number one spot where I have him landing is with the Green Bay Packers. Do you have any other destinations you think would fit for him? He's such a weird player because every year we talk about Austin Hooper as a potential breakout candidate, and every year he just kind of doesn't. Like this year was fine, 75, 787. And he did have an injury too, right? Like he missed three games. Which like, I mean, we have another young tight end who keeps getting injured, who keeps looking like he'll be something, and Hunter Henry just can't finish the dang season. So... I have a hard time. I mean, he, like, there's too much talent here for for any team to want to pass up, right? If you don't have a good tight end set in place, uh, you want to bring this kid in. Um, the number is going to be really interesting because you're paying for potential, not for production, because his production really hasn't been anything special. And we saw Greg Olson sign a one-year, seven million dollar deal. So I think Greg Olson is worth more. Uh, at his age, with his production last year and his health, I would argue that that's pretty fair. But I think because of that, Austin Hooper makes at least eight a year. Yeah, I guess the age is, yeah. Right? Like, he's a 25-year-old tight end and arguably the number one tight end in free agency this year. Like, he's going to get paid. Yeah, I guess it is just, like, I mean, the Saints could be another interesting one with Jared Cook there. Dump him and try to grab a Hooper. Um, Especially, like, you love stealing players from divisional rivals. That's just, like, the extra twisting the knife. Well, exactly, right? Because then it's the, if you look at the equation, you're adding and you're subtracting from another team. So like the the value that you're getting is even more amplified. But. And then you have the Dolphins with essentially infinite money. Uh, the Bills who have a really good football team and like Dawson Knox showed some flashes, but Austin Hooper is a way better player. And both those teams have a ton of money to just throw around and both have that need. Yeah, so I mean, there's other teams out there for sure. Um, the Bills are a good one. I think they want to develop Dawson Knox. So it wouldn't surprise me to for them to just stay content with him as their starter. But well, yeah, they're, right, they're, we're at the point like with who is it? You have the dolphins. Is it the Colts who have an absurd amount of cap space yeah, as well? Yeah. Um, the Cowboys have a decent amount, but when you remove money for Dak and for Amari Cooper um, or Byron Jones, whoever, yeah. like there's not lots of money left. So yeah, you have, you have four teams with 77 mil or more in cap space. Like those four teams, you might as well link to every player um, for, for the entire off season. Because when you have money like that, you can just throw it around. Especially, I mean, the Bills should be terrifying to everybody. They're already a darn good team. 
and they have $82 million in cap space. And some of it is on their defensive front. I think they have some uh, guys that were free agents that were pretty productive for them on the defensive line last year and um, and in their defense. So they're probably going to want to spend some money getting those guys back, and that'll reduce that cap number. But I agree. The Bills are probably the most scary team going into the offseason, uh, just with the sheer amount of money that they have available to them. The Colts are up there as well. Um, no, they don't exactly have their, their go-to quarterback with them right now at this point in time. But it would not surprise me for them to spend their money effectively and to be a contender immediately. So then another, um, well, again, maybe one of the biggest names, especially because of his playoff performance, hitting free agency this year, we got Derrick Henry. And he's kind of at a weird stage um, because we saw huge, huge deals getting signed by Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott. Um, But especially in Todd Gurley's case, the Rams look like idiots now because Gurley is not the player that he was. Um, and so it puts Derrick Henry in a really, like, honestly, a really bad situation. He's a power back, which means he's taking a beating on every play. Um, he's seeking out a beating on every play. And so it feels like no one really knows what his value is. Um, it seems to me like he'll end up going back to the Titans. I think they understand his value to them, but I don't know what that number is going to look like. Adam, do you have any thoughts on the value of the deal, the length? Like, what are you doing for a 26-year-old power back who um, just lit up at the end of the season? So I think that he'll have lots of interest. I think that that'll, um, that'll drive the, the number up a decent amount. Ultimately, I think he goes back to the Titans, though. The Titans do have some cap space, and I think that he'll be one of their priorities going into this offseason. So I, I don't see too many situations in which... Um, in which, yeah, he doesn't go back to the Titans. So I have the deal at approximately four years worth $48 million, which is about 12 annual average. That would put him as the fifth highest paid running back. I think if the, the Titans were able to get that deal signed, um, it shows confidence in Henry, and he's provided a lot of reasons in order to be confident in him, quite frankly, with just the stretch that he had in the playoffs there. Um, you can rely on him, which is very important to the Titans in their offense last year. But you're not paying him absurd amounts of money, right? Like we, you said it. Um, like there's David Johnson, for example, the fourth highest paid running back. He's getting paid $13 million a year. No production to back it up. Le'Veon Bell, $13.125 million. No production to back it up. Very limited success with the Jets last year in the first year of his deal there. Todd Gurley, $14.375 million. Again, like there's speculation that he's getting traded this offseason. So <laughs> some uncertainty there. And Ezekiel Elliott, who had a pretty productive year last year, making $15 million at the top. So as far as I'm concerned, it would be in the best interest of both Henry and the Titans to sign a 12-year annual average deal. Um, and I think that, again, the Titans would be in a good position because of the fact that they're not paying him <laughs> to be the market setter. But at the same time, um, I think Derrick Henry would be in a good place because I think that's a fair range for him. I think that you're, the production that he's giving to you, I think that's a fair amount of money to be giving. Uh, are you in a differing opinion, or do you somewhat agree with that? That deal makes a lot of sense to me. I do wonder if that number is going to get driven higher. Um, but we talked about it before. Like Teams aren't necessarily willing to pay running backs higher. So I think a lot of the conversations will fluctuate between 10 to 13. Yeah. So I, I don't see too many teams willing to pay more than 13 a year. But again, like imagine, again, one of these stupidly um, loaded teams in the cap. The Colts don't really have a running back. Marlon Mack. Like, Derrick uh, Henry or Marlon Naeem Mack. Naeem Hines as well. 
Derrick Henry or either of those guys, though, right? Like, that's not even a question. Fair enough. But the Dolphins, that's another interesting name yep. because they don't really have a, I think... It depends if Derrick Henry wants to win because the Colts honestly are built to potentially win now with the right pieces in place. And with uh, Quentin, Quentin, Quentin Nelson um, at guard, you know he's going to be getting holes open up. Their offensive line is pretty strong. That's true. Um, again, for comfort's sake and for you know a team believing in him, I think that he does stay with the Titans. But, of course, there will be a market out there for him. I think it's a question of how high are teams willing to pay. Um, yeah, I... I I'm I'm pretty content with the fact that he'll stay with the Titans, but there definitely is going to be a market out there for sure. You could like also see him become the highest paid running back in football. It's possible. Getting paid more than 15 a year? Like, that's just what the league is like. Sometimes players just get paid because they're the best in a but class. But the running back position time. is different. We, we both know that, right? I mean, we thought that, and then Ezekiel Elliott signed 15 a year. But that's Jerry Jones. True. <laughs> Jerry Jones is, uh, is a unique man. So <laughs> that that's honestly going to be like we talked about it in last week's episode that the running back position is such a weird one. You don't necessarily need to pay your running backs huge amounts of money. If you pay one that much money, that's money that's a, like away from your offensive line, away from your defense, uh, money that's not being spent on other running backs that you could be using in your backfield as well. So, yeah, uh, definitely an interesting one to watch to just see where that number lands um, just because it's the running back market. And that's always one of the funnest ones to watch uh, transitioning over to uh, a couple defensive players in a row here, actually <laughs> Byron Jones. He's probably the top cornerback available on the market right now. He's 27 year old, uh, 27 years old. <laughs> he was with the Cowboys last year and he's had 43 passes defense since 2015, um, six passes defense specifically in 2019. Didn't have any interceptions last year, but He's putting up good numbers. He's a pretty aggressive cornerback, and if you look at his film, um, like it, it's not hard to tell that he's one of the best cornerbacks out there, um, especially in free agency. Again, probably the top cornerback in free agency. So my landing spot for him, because the Giants have so much money in cap space, um, the Giants were the 28th-ranked pass defense last year, and because of Jason Garrett moving over from the Cowboys to the Giants, I see Jason Garrett knocking on Joe Judge's door and saying, hey, let's go out and get this guy for our defense. I think that he could be a key piece. So I see Byron Jones going to the division rival Giants on a three-year deal worth approximately $42 million, um, leading to an annual average of about 14. I am not as high on Byron Jones as you would be. I think he's definitely a freak athlete. And I mean, if you are at all pay attention to the draft you'll remember what he did in the combine when his stupid long jump or broad jump made it look like he was floating it was so long um but I don't know Byron Jones feels a little overrated to me like I get that he's a good corner that he's a crazy athlete that he's young um supply and demand that that, that is top true. corner um and like the three or 42 does make sense to me numbers wise because I think, like, what, among corners... You'll he'd be up... tied for the top... Or he'd be tied for the fifth highest paid corner. Yeah, that sounds like a deal that he could get. And the Giants would be a good fit. Um, I could... There's a lot of cornerback needy teams. The yeah. Eagles, who are also a division rival of the Cowboys... We talked about the Seahawks, too, expected The Seahawks as well, right? They uh, There's a couple other names that I have going... To, or no, sorry. Um, <laughs> that's a different player that I have going to the Seahawks. Not a corner, but... Yeah, there's lots of names out there. The Texans are another name desperate for cornerbacks. Uh, we saw them making moves last season to try and get some depth there. Um, 
I also wouldn't be surprised to see the Lions in that conversation as well. If you get rid of Slay, you have to be bringing someone in uh, another way. Um, yeah, the cornerback market is getting interesting because Josh Norman got cut, because A.J. Boye is expected to be cut. There's another name on this list that we're going to talk about that's a strong corner. So, again, this market's going to be interesting, and that could either drive up the number or make the number stay relatively close to that 14 range. But I think it's the Giants that ultimately get Jones here. So then, I mean, we have... Ah, I don't know. It is It's such a hard guy to, to kind of peg down is where teams are going to value him but um, I, yeah three or 42 makes sense to me we'll see I mean again the, the Cowboys have a lot of cap space so who knows he could end up back there as well um, and with I mean you can never have too many corners that's just kind of the truth of today's NFL so there could very much be a team that just shocks and, and goes in on him when you would never see it coming absolutely I think it's going to be a, about cap space though I think it's going to be it's not going to be a team that's tight with the cap going after a corner like this. I think it's going to be one of the teams that have a little bit more money to just throw at a, a player that they think can instantly make them a better defense. The next player on the list is, again, Brian Baldinger called this guy the number one free agent to watch this offseason, Shaq Barrett. Um, he led the league in sacks with 19 and a half sacks. Anytime you have that level of production in a contract year, you know you're going to get paid. Um, I didn't realize some of his other stats that stand out. He had one interception as an as a linebacker, two passes defensed, um, six forced fumbles. He had 19 tackles for lost and 37 hits. Um, just an absolutely amazing year for Shaq Barrett. And I think he could have been in the conversation if he wasn't for defensive player of the year. Like he just had a phenomenal start to the year, especially and kind of cooled down or cooled off down the stretch. I mean, but um Pretty huge year. So I expect his financials to be, <laughs> you know, <laughs> showing the the fact that he had such a great year. So Barrett played for um, Joe Woods when Joe Woods was a defensive coach for the Denver Broncos back when Shaq Barrett was there. Joe Woods is now the defensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns. I think just because of the ties here um, and considering that the Browns have a decent amount of cap space. I think they have around 60 million in cap space. I see him going to the Browns on a four-year deal with approximately $72 million with an annual average of 18. The other team that I have could be in the race is the Washington Redskins. And of course, they're going to go out and get Chase Young. And they do have Ryan Kerrigan there already. So they have a little bit more um, depth at that outside linebacker position or that, you know, end position. But Del Rio was his... uh, I believe the defensive coordinator for the Broncos at the time that Shaq Barrett was there with the Broncos. So there's a couple links between Barrett and some other coaches and teams in the NFL right now. So I wouldn't be surprised if he went to the Browns a little bit more surprised if he went to the Redskins, but those are the two places I see him landing this off season. And the Bucks are a candidate too. Yeah. Shaq Barrett just had an obscenely productive year after five incredibly me- mediocre is a nice word for how horribly unproductive he was in Denver. I think he just didn't get the opportunities, right? Isn't that what everyone said about him? I mean, that plays into it, but you have a guy who was, I believe, a first-round draft pick, if I can remember correctly, who just was really never able to get on the field enough. Um, And prior to his year in uh, Tampa Bay, goodness, only had 14 sacks in in five years. So he's going to get a crazy contract. Uh, You don't get 19 and a half sacks and not get a crazy contract. So... Yeah, what was your number? 18 mil. So that would tie him for fifth. That makes sense. 
Um, again, I don't trust NFL teams to always give contracts that make sense. I wouldn't be shocked if he broke the bank and went over 20. Um, just because of, again, 19 and a half sacks. As you get to 20, though, you get closer to Von Bell money and, or not Von Bell, <laughs> Von Miller money. And that's where I got a little bit more skeptical. I, I don't know if teams would be evaluating him in the, the same position. But yeah, 18 million seems somewhat appropriate. But of course, he's going to get paid. Yeah. Um, it's going to be obviously a question of who. It's going to be a question of what Shaq Barrett wants to do. There were reports coming out that he was willing to take a bit of a discount to stay in Tampa Bay. So we'll see if that ends up playing out. Um, He'll be potentially one of the scariest guys to sign this offseason because it might just be that this was a fluke season, that he got lucky, that he was able to create pressures that normally um, wouldn't work out, and he could just plummet right back down. So I'm excited to see where he goes. I I think he's going to end up back in Tampa Bay. I think they have enough money to go and get him, and if he is really willing to take a bit of a discount, then you don't pass up a chance to grab a pass rusher potentially like him for like less than market value. So I had it penciled in here as four years. Do you think that a team, because of his lack of production for the first four or five years of his career, and then, I mean, just the the surge that he had last year, do you think teams would be smarter to take a maybe a two- or three-year deal that's a little bit less risky than committing to him for four years? I just can't see every team thinking that way, and he'll go for a long-term deal if he can, right? Yeah, that makes sense to me. Like, I, I understand it, but I'm, I'm curious from your frame of mind with saying that he didn't have that much predict, production with the Broncos, whether or not you think that he would be um, or it would be in the best interest of NFL teams to sign a shorter deal. Oh, I, if, if an NFL team could have its dream, they would give him a one-year 18 mil. And if he produces like that again, then you sign him to uh, and not even like that. He puts up 12 sacks again next year. You just give him a four-year $80 million deal. Like, done. No questions asked. Yeah, fair enough. Um, another defensive uh, line or defensive pass rusher that uh, is a free agent this year and was pretty productive this past season is Eric Armstead. So he's a 26-year-old, uh, def- again, defensive lineman for the San Francisco 49ers. He played or started all 16 games for the 49ers this past year. He had 10 sacks, 11 tackles for loss, 18 quarterback hits, two passes defensed, and two forced fumbles. Um I also think that he's going to get paid and <laughs> don't ask me why, but I have him actually making more money than Shaq Barrett this off season. Yeah. Kid's good. Um, another kind of disappointing start to a career for him totaled nine sacks before this year with San Francisco, which again, again he had 10 this year. Yeah. Should, should make teams pretty wary. Um, but I mean, he's, he's honestly, a poor man's Aaron Donald to a certain extent. Dude is 6'7", 292 pounds. He's defensive tackle, 4'3", defensive tackle size, can rush right up the middle, um, and pressure up the middle is way worse than edge pressure. That disrupts the pocket in a way that edge pressure can't come near. So you know he's going to get paid. Um, getting paid more than Shaq Barrett seems possible. Just And that's because, annual average, yeah. Yeah, and like if he was, he's officially listed as a D-end, um, but if a 4-3 team grabs him, he'll get moved into tackle. And that would be where those values kind of come from because that interior pressure is just worth so much. So the team that I actually had him landing with, so I know the the Buffalo Bills, Jordan Phillips, uh, who's on the interior part of their defensive line. I believe he's a free agent for them. And he was a big contributor this past offseason. So if they're deciding that they want an upgrade at that position and they're willing to let Jordan Phillips go, I would not be surprised to see Eric Armstead actually land with the Buffalo Bills 
on a three-year deal worth approximately $57 million, which again is an annual average of $19 million per year. Um, you talked about it. The Bills have so much cap space. Do you see them going out and making a splash on their defensive line like this? The next name on our list is another name I could see the Bills somewhat traced to. So that's why I'm curious if you think that they're interested in these types of players. They're a team that's so close. It's just a matter of what pieces they think they need to do it. Um, if Josh Allen continues to mature and progress as a quarterback, yeah, if they can stack their defense, maybe sign him one more weapon, even though John Brown and Cole Beasley is a great one too. Well, they're saying A.J. Green is one of the oh my one of the number one targets for the Bills. Like they, yeah. Because they, they have money, 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 yeah, money. If, if they play free agency well, if they can grab an Eric Armstead or a Shaq Barrett or the next guy we're going to talk about, they're set. Like they should be considered a Super Bowl favorite if they have a strong free agency. Yeah, I would agree. And they need to knock off the Kansas City Chiefs in order to get there, right? So how are you going to do that? You crazy need to pressure. Es- crazy pressure. Absolutely. They have Tredavious White on the back end. So they have um, and Micah Hyde. Um, I'm... Who are some other? Uh, Poyer, right? Yeah, they, so they, have a, they have a decently strong secondary. Yeah, trying to think of some of the names they have in the secondary there, but um, Edmonds in their linebacking core. Like these guys have just stud players at absolutely all levels of the defense. So it would not surprise me to see them add one more strong name. Um, a lot of these guys, again, you said it, like the Bills have so much money that they could just throw money at one of these guys and just say, produce for us, right? Like um, I, they could very much just be in win now mode, throw money around. Like yeah. nobody cares. Go for the Super Bowl this year. Don't care what happens after the season. It's, exactly. It's what I talked about last week, right? Having that inexpensive quarterback and just being able to spend money everywhere else. And one of the best corners in the league for like 1.2 mil or something stupid. Trey exactly. Still on his nothing. rookie deal. Yeah. So, um, the bills are in an absolutely great position of win now mode. So Eric Armstead to the bills for three years, $57 million is what we're calling. Um, Again, the next guy on this list, we mentioned it a couple of times now. We're excited to see where this guy ends up. Arguably one of the biggest names in free agency as well. Jadavion Arguably Clowney. one of the most overrated names in free agency. I too. would 100% agree, but a lot of people are very curious where this guy's going to go. I'm not as curious because his production was not all that great last year. But, um, I mean, still, he's being considered one of the biggest names in free agency. So Jadavion Clowney, uh, he got traded from the Texans to the Seahawks last year. He's 27 years old. He played in 13 games, had uh, three sacks, seven tackles for loss, 13 quarterback hits. He actually had an interception, three passes defensed, four forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, and actually one touchdown that way as well. So the three sacks part is concerning, considering that's what he was known for with the Texans, and that's what he was known for coming out of South Carolina. Like, this guy was the first overall pick. Don't forget that. I mean, you say what he was known for is the tech with the Texans, but the most sacks he ever had in a season was nine and a half. Still, though, coming out of college, again, this guy was like a pass rush phenom. He was supposed to be the best pass rushing product or pro, eh, pass rushing prospect maybe ever. He was being talked about it with that kind of language. He was such a freak athlete. Exactly. So that's why um, his NFL career hasn't exactly been amazing. So... Will he get overpaid this offseason? Absolutely. Who do I think commits to that? I think he does stay with the Seahawks. I, from what I'm hearing, it seems like that's where he's most likely to land. I don't think it makes too much sense for him to go anywhere else. It w- <laughs> it's kind of funny. The Texans have money and the need <laughs> to get pass, pass rush production. So him going back to the Texans ultimately wouldn't be super surprising as well. It seems like it wouldn't be a terrible fit. Um, but I see him staying with the Seahawks on a three-year deal worth $60 million, annual average of $20 million. Is that reasonable to you? 
Uh, reasonable in the sense of, is that what I think he'll get? Sure. Yeah. Is that reasonable what I think he should get? Heck no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jadavian Clowney has played 16 games once in his career. Um, he has some injury concerns for sure. For being apparently a really great pass rusher, he's really not that amazing of a pass rusher. He's just a really good athlete. Um, in his career, he has three touchdowns, which for a defensive player to have three touchdowns in five seasons is, or what, six seasons? That like That's actually pretty impressive, um, but that's just because he's so fast. I feel bad for a team that gives this guy 20 mil a year because they're never going to get return on their investment. Um, yeah, the Seahawks seem like... I could see him getting tagged. Is that possible again? I uh, I don't know off the top of my head. I to don't try know. to give him one more year, he almost feels like a guy who needs a prove it deal. At at twenty seven years old, offer him a one year twenty million dollar deal. If he lights up, he can sign a four or five year big 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 money deal. But three sacks is just that's awful. I would agree with you. Um, yeah, I have concerns here. There's going to be a team that's going to offer him a bit more long term of a deal. So if you're a team that's coming in with one year and if you have some space on your your cap um, or your salary cap and you do want to throw a one-year deal at him, obviously he's going to go to where the most money is for a longer period of time. And I think a team will offer him something more long-term. So I I think teams are going to have to invest two or three years. Maybe a team will be dumb and invest four years in this guy as well. So I think that he does get an annual average of 20. Not to say I think that he's worth that, but I think that's where the market is and I think that's... Uh, the general price that he'll get. Um, <laughs> moving away from the the pass rush guys and going back to the uh, the back half of the defense, another cornerback that we wanted to talk about and try to predict where he might go is Chris Harris Jr. And he's a little bit older than Byron Jones, so he's 30 years old. Uh, he was a cornerback for the Broncos last year, and there, he was being mentioned around the trade deadline as a candidate to maybe get moved. Uh, ultimately didn't. He started all 16 games last year at the age of 30, which is great. Um, Six passes defense last year, one interception, one forced fumble, and actually one tackle for loss as well. Again, there's so many cornerback needy teams. We talked about the Giants, talked about the Seahawks, talked about the Texans, the Eagles. Um, The Broncos obviously wouldn't wouldn't mind bringing him back to. Ultimately, I see him going to the Eagles for uh, two years, so a, a shorter deal worth $26 million. I think that he doesn't have the annual average of Byron Jones, but I think he still gets about $13 million a year. Yeah, that sounds pretty much perfect to me. Chris Harris has consistently been um, one of the top corners in football over the last five seasons or so. Um, obviously was not as big a name last year, especially with some of these younger guys really starting to, to establish themselves as top corners in the league. But um, Chris Harris still has gas left in the tank. He's still is able to stay healthy through 16 games. He's still, I mean, 56 tackles from the corner position. Like, he, he's not making business decisions. He, he's he's a good player. I'd be, like, happy to have him on any team. I could even see their names are going to come up over and over, but the Bills, to add a second corner opposite Tredavious White that you maybe don't have to pay, like a 27-year-old Byron Jones, just to add another piece, you never know. For sure, and that's why I think a, a team like a, the Bills, for example, that are win now, might be willing to invest in a short-term deal with a guy like this, right? Until they can draft a prospect next year, maybe, or something along those lines. But so I said 13 per year. Um, why that's a bit interesting is he's currently getting paid just over 12 million per year. <laughs> so I guess that's why is one more million per year. 
enough for him? Or is he going to try and negotiate a little bit more than that? I think the market would indicate that he's not worth too much more than $13 million per year, especially being a little bit older in this cornerback um, free agent market right now. But that's something where I think that this number might be a little bit different than what we're projecting. So I'm, I'm intrigued, not necessarily to see which team he lands with, so much as how much he actually gets paid, considering he is 30 years old now, which... Again, as soon as you hit that 30 number in the NFL, teams start to get a little bit more skeptical and uh, don't necessarily want to commit as much, especially to guys in the cornerback position, the running back position, and a few other positions. So um, again, ultimately think he goes to the Eagles here, but there's like, like the Texans ultimately wouldn't surprise me. The Lions ultimately wouldn't surprise me. Um, Daniel, are you going to say the Seahawks again is your destination for him? or, or? Like any of these cornerback needy yeah. teams, right? That's just kind of how it goes. It, it's so hard to predict who's going to offer the contract that's the most appealing for these guys. For sure. Um, <laughs> there's yeah a lot of speculation with so many of these defensive guys because some teams are just that one piece away. So Chris Harris definitely could be that contributor that allows you to uh, to take that step whether it be to getting to the playoffs or getting to the Super Bowl for sure. So let's talk about these last two players together because I think changing from the defense to the offense. Yeah. So these are, these are two players who are in pretty much opposite circumstances, but might be receiving very similar paydays. Um, So we have Jameis Winston who obviously as, as we celebrated on this podcast, joined the 30, 30 club this season. I love Jameis 30, 33 touchdowns, 30 picks um, threw for over 5,000 yards and then was horribly disrespected by Bruce Arians right after the season. And then, on the other end, you have Teddy Bridgewater, who filled in for Drew Brees for some games this season. Went 5-0. and oh. And looked amazing. Um, Teddy Bridgewater, obviously, back in 2014, was looking like maybe a rising start QB, in a, and an injury derailed that. But um, these are two guys who were both hitting free agency um, in discussion to m- maybe make... 20, 25, 30 mil, depending on what teams see in them. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. let's backpedal. Um, Teddy Bridgewater is, I think, in the discussion with the amount of interest he's generating in free agency to make 30 million a year. That's something that teams are saying that they would be willing to pay potentially to land him. I don't think Jameis Winston has that same <laughs> bargaining leverage. He doesn't have the leverage, but again, teams get desperate. And like 20 wouldn't shock me. 25, I would start to question teams, but it's very possible. 30 touchdowns, right? If you bring those interception numbers down, his numbers are incredible. Yeah, it's true, right? Um, Especially if you have a strong defense, I think you might be able to take a little bit more of a risk with this guy, um, knowing that if your defense can can stop, you know, some of the the points that he may be giving up in turnovers. If nothing else, he'll give your defense confidence in practice. (laughs) Confidence boosts are important. But I honestly didn't know which team to put him to quite honestly I had no idea where to say that he would end up in free agency so your guess is as good as mine to be quite honest I think he signs a two-year deal worth about 40 million I think he needs to take on a prove-it deal of some sort Ryan Tannehill last year signed a one-year deal worth seven million dollars I think Jameis gets a butt uh, (laughs) not a buttload (laughs) I think he gets quite a bit more than that but I honestly have no idea where he goes I think it will be a prove-it deal of some sort could it be back to the Buccaneers? Sure. I think that might be a good fit. I could also see the Jaguars as a name that might be interested as well. Um, not necessarily sure why they're being thrown into quarterback conversations, but if they are a team that's looking for a quarterback, it would not surprise me um, Yeah, for him to end up with the Jaguars. Teddy's hard too because, I mean, 
it's kind of a weird place in the NFL right now because it does feel like there's a lot of teams that have a QB in place or wouldn't quite want to pay a Teddy Bridgewater as highly as he might. But teams are still considering the quarterback position. For sure. I even like the Colts, I could see maybe taking a stab at a, at a Teddy Bridgewater. Um, I wouldn't be shocked to see like, I mean, I guess it depends. I want to say the Redskins, if they could get him on a one-year deal, but I don't think Teddy's looking for that at this point. So if I'm <laughs> this, I, I currently have him as going to the Buccaneers. He I doesn't think have he's the arm strength for Bruce Arians offense. That's the only problem with that. Understandable. But for some reason, I just, I feel that he'll stay in division. I feel like that, um, you know, that knowledge of the division will be relevant. And I think the Buccaneers will go out and get him on a three-year deal worth 66 million. <laughs> I'm throwing a, a speculation out there and I have n- no reason to believe this whatsoever. But Bruce Arians, right now with Tampa being where they're at, he says he wants to focus on their defense and free agency this year, which is perfectly understandable, right? Whether that's retaining Shaq Barrett or going out and getting some other players, their defense was not as good as it needed to be. Would it shock you to see (laughs) the Buccaneers trade for Big Ben and then the Steelers go out and get one of these guys in free agency? Would it be a shocker to see? Because Bruce Arians worked a lot with with, uh, Ben Roethlisberger when he was with the Steelers. So it would not surprise me to see Bruce Arians pull a move like that closer to the draft and another name end up going to the Pittsburgh Steelers as well. So maybe Jameis would be the next quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That would not be like completely outside of the realms of possibility. I'd, we're talking about these two names of free agency, so I'm just throwing a curveball. But yeah. that's why like, I have Teddy Bridgewater going to the Buccaneers, but honestly, the quarterback position is a mess this free agency, and I'm just predicting the stupid now. That's totally fair. I think both of these guys have um, – they'll have options. Obviously, Teddy more than, than Jameis, and it's kind of classic. If you show a little bit and you look really good in the little bit that you show, teams are going to be willing to pay you. Look at Matt Flynn back in 2011, got paid an insane amount for like two good games in his career. Jimmy Garoppolo, a Jimmy, little bit more, but yeah. yeah, same thing. You don't need to show a lot to, to get a huge deal as an NFL quarterback. Um, the whole market will be interesting to see shake out, and that's what makes it so hard to predict. I think Teddy's going to get more than you're thinking. I Like 25 almost feels like the floor for him because of the interest. And Jameis, yeah, 20, maybe a bit less, maybe a bit more. It'll depend how teams value him. And I wouldn't be shocked if he got wildly different offers from teams who just weren't sure how to value him. Yeah, I I completely agree. I think that he will get more money than I'm projecting here. But just because of the amount of good quarterbacks that are out there through free agency and through the draft, that's why I'm saying that that value might be a little bit less than it's currently being speculated at. But anyways... That's uh, just 10 free agents that we're talking about this week. But each of the next three weeks, we're going to talk about more free agents as we get to um, free agency starting on March 18th. So there's going to be lots of good discussions happening to dive into maybe the free agent that you're looking into most uh, and, you know, the excitement about where they're going to land. We can uh, give some of our analysis and projections for where we think they might go. So it's going to be exciting going into this the next couple of weeks. So <laughs> a couple of tweets that we want to talk about to close out our episode here. Um, not sure if you follow uh, Mina Kimes on uh, Twitter. She's an ESPN reporter. Lots of great content. I personally really like seeing what she has to say on Twitter. She's quite funny. Um, and yeah, just lots of good content from her account there. But <laughs> in her Twitter bio, Twitter bio, couldn't help but notice the other day that she says that she's a hater of the goal line fade. And so this led <laughs> to some, you know, 
laughter between Daniel and I to assess. I think Adam was crying. He says laughter. I think Adam cried. <laughs> does she hate our podcast or does she hate the route, the goal line fade? Either way, um, we're going to be tweeting at her the next little while, just trying to get an answer. Obviously, uh, this is our brand here. We're quite defensive about our brand. So we want to make sure that she respects the goal line fade podcast. Cause ultimately we're all out here to talk about football and do so in a fun way. But anyways, I, <laughs> I found that quite hilarious. So ultimately we're hoping that she reaches out to us and confirms that she doesn't hate us, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> another tweet that I really enjoyed this week was actually, um, after Drew Brees announced through Instagram that he was going to be coming back, Cameron Jordan had a, a post where he's sort of like holding his forehead and his mouth was wide open. And he's like, oh yeah, definitely knew Drew Brees was going to be back for sure. And Alvin Kamara's like, oh yeah. Like I, I forget what Alvin Kamara said, but Alvin Kamara commented on it and they were all like, oh yeah, we knew Drew Brees was coming back or something along those lines. So it's so funny. These guys are like pretending nonchalant that they knew Drew Brees was coming back, but like secretly like so happy to see that he's back and uh, more confident going into next year, knowing that he's back. So it's always fun seeing free agency and how players react to different moves happening across the NFL. So especially interesting with Drew Brees news coming out this week. So we are less than one month away from free agency, which is crazy. Um, The league does move so quickly, especially with some XFL to watch. It definitely makes football feel a little less far away, and I've appreciated that a lot. But um, yeah, over the next few weeks, we'll continue to talk about probably 10 or so free agents a week, breaking down what this whole class looks like, talking about some potential landing spots, the values we think these guys are going to demand. And um, obviously, with this new CBA maybe happening, we'll be covering that quite a bit and any other news. So um, thank you so much for joining us this week. We are so excited to see how free agency plays out just as football fans. Um, Plus, we're super excited to see a new CBA so we don't have to miss any football. Um, But of course, if you want to hear our thoughts on those things and much more, we will see you all again next week.